0: Worried about mom or dad falling? The Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health helps make their home safer, even if you can't be there. Symphony works with voice
1: activation or a care button they can opt to wear, along with smart sensors for coverage around the home. With 24/7 emergency response and an app to tie it all together, you can monitor your loved one's well-being for enhanced peace of mind. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com/symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub.
0: E-cigs don't burn tobacco leaves, and they come in lots of flavors. That's what tobacco companies tell you. Here are three things tobacco companies don't say. One, many teens don't know their flavored e-cigs have nicotine. Two, nicotine is a poison that can rewire the teen brain.
1: Three, 80% of kids who tried vaping did it because of the flavors. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for
0: more.
1: Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, And it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere. And with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. Uh, I plan on using SeatGeek a little bit later in this season now that Indiana season is over and I have a little bit of extra time on my hands on weeknights and plan to get out to a Mavericks game and see Yogi play, which I haven't had a chance to do. And you can be sure that when I do that, I will be getting my tickets on SeatGeek as I did when I went and saw him play last year because... Again, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners of The Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. So the way that you do that is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly. That's promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y for $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 67th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 394th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Wednesday, March 14th, 2018, a day earlier than our usual Thursday night recording time, because obviously we didn't want to conflict with the opening round of the NCAA tournament even without Indiana being involved. I am your host, Jared Indiana's Morris. Indiana's not in it? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Let's just let's forget about that. Uh, I'm your host, Jared Morris. Let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And my podcast on the Brink co-host, Alex Bozich, may cringe a little bit at me saying this, but I'm going to pick Romeo Langford announcing that he will delay his college announcement to April as this week's banner moment. And look, Part of the reason it's the choice is because there just aren't many other options during a week when Indiana missed not just the NCAA tournament, but also the NIT tournament. But it's also the choice because I do think that it might, might suggest something small and subtle but still important about Romeo's current thought process, which is this. I don't think he's made up his mind yet. Well, duh, right? But hear me out. When you're the home state school, and said school is the closest to your hometown among your three finalists, and you have very close parental support who will surely make the drive and be at all your games, and you felt significant love from the fans of said home state school all throughout your senior season, I do think it positions Indiana as the kind of quote-unquote default choice. And the longer the decision drags on, the more likely it is that the default choice wins out in the end. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, just that it becomes a little more likely, because If Romeo was slam dunk going to Vanderbilt or Kansas, and he already knew that, why wouldn't he just announce it at the McDonald's game, where Darius Garland and Quentin Grimes, two of his friends, one of Andy commit, the other Kansas commit, will be playing. He also has family in Georgia, or at least near there, and ESPN will be there, giving him added reason to announce there if he was all ready to make a decision. But clearly he's not ready, and the family wants some dedicated time to sit down and weigh the pros and cons of each choice, time that is in short supply with Romeo's high school season still going on. And anyone would know this if you simply listen to what Tim Lankford has actually said rather than doing what most of us are doing, which is trying to read between the lines and guess beyond what we actually know to be true. So this delay in the timeline combined with what Tim Lankford has already said about their plans to make at least one more visit to Bloomington to speak with Archie Miller strongly suggests that at a minimum, Indiana still has as good of a shot as any uh, of Romeo's three finalists to be the choice. And quite frankly, given Romeo's talent and what his commitment would signal about the program that Archie Miller is building in Bloomington, uh, that's about as good as it gets during this otherwise putrid first couple of weeks in March for the IU basketball program in terms of something suggesting that a sixth banner may be anywhere even remotely on the horizon. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Andy Bottoms will be joining us for segment two and beyond. Uh, So we will celebrate yet another outstanding season of Bracketology predictions from him then. He's just going to be a little bit late. But right now, to my right, we have a man who might actually be coming around a bit on John Calipari because the two clearly share a disdain for Coach K and Duke. He is a columnist for the big lead, and in that role, he recently broke out some of his classic rants as part of his NCAA tournament coverage, naming Purdue Pete one of the 10 worst mascots in the NCAA tournament, in fact, the worst mascot in the NCAA tournament, and then, after UCLA's loss in the first four, penning a gem titled, Steve Alford is a terrible basketball coach and UCLA deserves better. It included this line, anyone can recruit at UCLA, it takes a special kind of awfulness to fail with that kind of talent. Well then. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, other than Purdue Pete and Steve Alford's coaching ability, what else do you feel like ranting about from the past week in the world of college basketball?
3: I can't believe you didn't quote my Purdue Pete segment. I, that <laughs> there was, was some good my, stuff in there, too. <laughs> he he said, uh, here, let, me just, let me just do it. It's like, yeesh, I can't even look at this thing. It's hard exterior, waxy face, lifeless ins- expression, and dead eyes remind me of well, everyone has ever gone to Purdue, but so I, I think that's true. I don't even think that was like me ranting on Purdue. I think that was just a fact. But yeah, the Steve Alford thing, I mean, he's a terrible head coach. We talked about this last year, and I think that all Indiana fans should be rejoicing that Indiana did not hire him. Uh, and by the way, after I wrote that, I have more UCLA fan friends now on Twitter than I've ever had in my life. So they all love me apparently now. Um, <laughs> they, they all agree with you, I'm guessing? It, Completely. Um, Anyway, no, I I think I want to piggyback on what you were saying sort of about Romeo and that I I think that you're right. And and this is typical of all recruitments is that the longer things play out, the harder the decision is, the more likely uh, the outcome is the obvious outcome. Um, You see this in, in football as well. Kids stay home a lot when they make their recruitment last a long time just because it's the default. It's what you know. Clearly, he's not he hasn't found you know, a, a comfort zone somewhere. And what's the most comfortable thing if you don't have, if you haven't found a comfort zone, that's to stay home. And and I realize that, you know, Bloomington is not New Albany. It's a drive, but it's, you know, a different level of drive to Vanderbilt or Lawrence, Kansas, you know? And, and so I think there's a, uh, I think there's something to what you said about the longer it lasts, the more likely they are to stay home. And uh, I I think that's a fair assumption. And and look, this weekend, I know it's going to be hard to get tickets, guys, but uh, that Warren Central versus New Albany game is going to be phenomenal. Uh, If you can get a chance to go down and see it, do it. Um, A buddy of mine is a teacher at Warren Central, and he said the staff and faculty uh, line to get tickets was around the block at at Warren Central wow. alone. So uh, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere, an incredible high school game. And I don't think we've seen this kind of excitement for – a high school player in Indiana in quite some time and, and some are, are thrown around the name Dama Bailey is, is the last time that an entire state got excited for a player like this um, and and I think that's a fair comparison I mean there may have been guys in between but that's the biggest one I can think of and it seems like every day there's a new story on Romeo in Indiana somewhere and uh, it's it's been really kind of amazing and I've, I've I've covered games in that Seymour gym when I worked at the Republic in Columbus and I've never seen it that full before except for one time and That was Jordan Hull's senior year at Bloomington South uh, where they were undefeated. And, you know, I I don't remember they were ranked in like the top five in the country or something like that. That was a great Bloomington South team that went on to win a state title. Um, But, you know, that 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 game, it was packed for a standing room only. But to have it packed like that three weeks in a row, the third largest high school gym in the world, uh, that's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, it's really a great thing for the state. It's a great thing for basketball in the state. It's bringing a lot of attention to it. Um, So I think that's awesome. Regardless of where he ends up going, uh, he's a good kid. He has uh, had an amazing career, and uh, I think we're all rooting for him. Um, hopefully, he makes, the, the, of course, the right decision when it comes to when it comes to Bloomington. But, um, you know, he's, he's certainly a kid who's, who's earned a lot of admiration for the way he's handled himself this year. So, obviously, we're all looking forward to, to where he's going to decide to play. But uh, at the same time, you know, he's been great for the state of Indiana.
1: All right. Well, here's what we are going to discuss this week. We've got one topic that will carry us all the way through. We are going to discuss what absolutely must happen for Indiana to make the NCAA tournament next season. Because this is two years in a row without the NCAA tournament, and I can't take any more of this. You can't take any more of this. So what absolutely has to happen between now and next year's tournament for the Hoosiers to be in the tournament. I've come up with 10 items that I think are must, and then Ryan and Andy can tell me where I'm right and wrong, as can you, both in the live chat, if you hear of you in the show live, or obviously on Twitter, anytime you listen. We'd love to get your feedback. And if we have any time at the end, we will hit up a few questions that we got uh, for Q&A, all of that coming here on this edition of Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to that, I want to issue a massive, massive thank you uh, just appreciation from the bottom of all of my, all of our hearts. I know I speak on behalf of Andy and Ryan when I say this, but I mentioned our donation drive last week uh, that we did. We typically do one before the season, and in, then in the off season, to help us kind of cover all of our costs for the off season um, and all that stuff. And we set a goal of five thousand uh, dollars. We started last Wednesday. It was slated to go all the way through Friday, March sixteenth. And we hit our goal a couple days ago. <laughs> the goal was five thousand, and we're currently sitting at six thousand two hundred eighty one dollars and eighty six cents uh, which means Ryan that we'll have a little bit extra to you know put in our pockets and you know take a special lady out to dinner uh, you know whatever you want to do with it, which is kind of nice you know and uh, and we have that because our audience is awesome, and you guys are so generous and so supportive, and you make what we do meaningful and so I just want to say thank you and we by the way, we even had. Four more donations come in just today. So, I mean, even after we hit our goal, people still just want to help. Um, and so we love you for it. Thank you all so very much because it really does mean a lot to us.
3: Yeah, I will say, Jared, you mentioned we'll have a little extra money. I'm not sure about that given the recent hotel price spike in Bloomington. I'm not Uh-oh. I'm not sure. <laughs> we need to save so, up for next year's Yeah, <laughs> we, may need to, we need to just bank that all. But, yeah, no, everybody, thank you so much. Uh, For the donations, we uh, have the greatest audience in the world and you guys all uh, you know, even those who didn't have a chance to donate or anything. You guys are awesome. You show up every week. You download the show. You spread word of mouth. Um, If you didn't have a chance to donate, here's what you do. Tell one person about the show. Get them into the show. Because uh, the more people who listen to the show, uh, the more downloads we get, the the easier it is for us to sell to advertisers, all that stuff, kind of giving you a little behind the scenes look at what it's like. Um, but the more people that get into the show, the better the content we can bring you, the better the things, the more things we can do with this show, the better equipment, all of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, just tell people about the show. If, if you If you like the show, you listen to the show, you're here every week. Tell a friend about it. Anybody who's uh, who wants more Indiana basketball information, tell them to come join us. Uh, tell them to listen to one show. If they don't like it, well, clearly they're crazy. But, uh, you know, get them involved. Get to the people. We want to grow this community and continue to grow it as we have.
1: Yeah, and the URL is assemblycall.com slash donate. So we'll keep that page up. Uh, obviously, if you want to support us at any time, uh, we would appreciate it. But thank you for all the support that you've already given us at – It just means a ton to us, and we wouldn't be doing this still if it weren't for you. So thank you. All righty. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips. We are awaiting the triumphant entrance of Andy Bottoms after yet another solid season predicting uh, the bracket. And So we'll talk to him about that when he gets here. But, Ryan, let's start talking about what absolutely must happen for Indiana to make the NCAA tournament next season. And... A little bit of criteria here. I tried to put these in order of importance, number one. You know, what I think are the most important things that have to happen. Uh, You know, and and the way that I looked at it is if any of these ten things do not happen, I really think Indiana is going to be behind the eight ball in terms of making the NCAAs to the point where it becomes increasingly less likely. And while I think that should be the expectation for next year, you know, it's not a slam dunk. A lot of things are going to have to go right between now and then it to happen. And I think that's really what kind of this exercise highlighted for me. Uh, and let me just say right off the bat that Romeo Langford committing is not included because I firmly believe that there's a path to Indiana making the NCAA tournament without Romeo.
3: Now, obviously I think there's a path to being even better than that without Romeo. I mean, you know, I get, I get, we're making that the baseline for year two, but I love the team that's going to be back next year. I really do. As long as, you know, there are no departures, no crazy things happen. This, we kind of know the roster going forward. If that roster remains, Jawan remains, all that. Yeah. I, think, I think we've got a pretty good roster as it is.
0: Yeah, and look, uh,
1: he, adding he Romeo would, yeah, he would kind of blow the top off the ceiling of what next year's team could yes, accomplish. I but I, I think the NCAA tournament is a fair expectation, even with what's coming back. So let's hop into number one. We can talk about this without Andy, because I think it's the most obvious one. Someone even called it out on Twitter uh, the second that I tweeted out what the, what the topic would be. But I think the number one thing that has to happen is Indiana has got to get consistent competency from the lead ball handler position. Uh, call it a point guard, call it the lead ball handler, whatever you want. But whether that's a grad transfer who's not on the roster right now, whether it's Devontae Green, whether it's Robert Finnessy as a freshman, you know, or Al Durham, or some combination of them all, Indiana has to get consistency from that position. Because I think a lot of other things can go right, and if that isn't there, the whole house of cards can tumble. So that, to me, is the single most important thing that has to happen. And the scary part is, you know, there's no kind of proven producer of that yet, and we might be relying on a freshman to give it to us. And so that's where you kind of pause as you look toward next season. But I don't see anything else more important than that, do
3: you? Uh, no, I I think I mean I think you could say shooting is as important, but because it, that's, the team that's coming it, next, by the way, well, uh, well and it's a tease. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think you could say that is as important. But if you're talking, you know, the most consistent, I mean, the one thing I would say is that this team doesn't turn the ball over. So whoever is, you know, in general, typically does not turn the ball over very much, has a much lower turnover rate than we've seen in the past. So I think you can get away without having a phenomenal. Yogi Farrell type ball handler who's going to tear teams apart with his ball handling. I think you can get away with that. Uh, but I agree there needs to be competency in the guy who is running the the offense essentially and there's the default to okay when he gets the ball we're going to reset things and stuff like that instead of forcing things um if we're looking at it right now as the roster is constructed currently i think Devonte green has to be that guy and i think that we saw some great a great run of play from him at, towards the end of the season and then it fell apart and so i think what i think will be a good thing for Devonte is that he's gonna have talented guys pushing him Finnecy is going to come in and push him for that, for that spot. And, and that's good because I think, I think competition, you know, breeds excellence. I think that makes guys better. Iron sharpens iron that way. And so I think that is, that is a big deal uh, for him to have somebody really pushing him. And I think he's got to spend the offseason watching a lot of tape and realizing where he screwed up, where the flaws were and where he needs to rein his game in and refocus it and what he did well in the games where he was successful and, um, so I think, I think that's the biggest development of the offseason is Devontae Green figuring it out, but that relates to exactly what you're saying. It's that it's that it's the competency from the lead ball handler. Yeah, right.
1: and, and maybe the one nice thing this year is with Devontae's ups and downs, maybe now you have a guy like Finnessy, and you don't want to put too much on a freshman. But yeah, maybe, I don't think but, he
3: should start coming.
1: But, no, I agree. I mean, he may earn it as the season goes on, sure. but I think right. at least having him on the bench as a solid guy that you can count on to just be a smart ball handler, get the ball in the position it needs to go. That's something that this team didn't really have even this year. And so maybe having that behind Devontae so that when you get the bad Devontae games, because no matter how much he grows, he's, I mean, he's still kind of an inconsistent player at heart. He's not going to get rid of that totally. But maybe now you have someone who can help smooth out some of the ups and downs with Devontae. Um, and so that gives you a little bit of hope moving forward. Um, all right, uh, Ryan, what do you say let's stop here, break, see if we get Andy on, uh, and whether we do or we don't, then we'll start hitting up numbers two and three and four as we go forward. Does that sound like a plan to you? Yeah, it works for me. Okay, so coming up on the assembly call, we continue our list of the things that absolutely must happen for Indiana to get back to the NCAA tournament next season. And, yes, we'll talk about shooting. That's next. Stick with us. hey just a real quick note here the next time that you are going to shop online for iu gear use the url iustore.shop that will take you to the official iu online store where they have anything you could possibly want candy stripe pants the script indiana warm-up shirt all kinds of iu gear and that url iustore.shop is actually our affiliate url so when you use it and buy something we get paid a commission so it's a great way for you to shop for the iu gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time again the url is iustore.shop please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy iu gear we appreciate it now back to the show are listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris i'm here with ryan phillips and andy bottoms has joined us don't forget if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of assembly call radio there are two great ways to catch up you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts just search for assembly call or you can join our live thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our youtube channel at youtube.com assembly call so yes now to my left the man can finally exhale after another whirlwind final week of bracketology is over. Once again, he was awesome, turning in one of the most accurate brackets, uh, one of his most accurate brackets ever, uh, and I think maintaining his spot in the top ten among all bracketologists worldwide. Uh, although I guess we have to wait for the final rankings. Uh, but he is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome to the show, man. We missed you for the first segment, and we we missed you know just being able to reach out and contact you regularly over the last week or so because it's been well, a- my,
0: my my family probably echoes yeah, the same. <laughs> Same thoughts. So that's, yeah, it's nice to be back to normal on a normal uh, sleep schedule. So I've, I I don't know that there are two nights that I've slept better in the last month than the last couple with not having anything to do. So, uh, so that's been, uh, that part's been good. So yeah, we'll see. I think the rankings are supposed to update uh, tomorrow. So based on my, amateur calculations i think i'll be maybe 11th um depending on how much how much things are correct so did you get people so, high schoolers again not too bad absolutely every year it's a <laughs> it's like the masters it's a tradition unlike any other they are. so
1: maybe maybe you need to hire some of those guys as interns
0: I, re- I really might i'm not sure my i'm not sure my budget can uh can handle it i might just go back to high school and and then try it that way that might be a better way to join get involved. join
1: delphi bracketology
0: that would be that would be good yeah that. He he let one, a new teacher join this year, so I don't see why I should be any different.
1: I agree. All right, Andy, we are running down the 10 things that absolutely must happen for IU to make the NCAA tournament next season. You will not be shocked to hear that number one, which we did last segment, was consistent competency from the lead guard spot. Do you have any objection?
0: Huh. Well, that is, I, I mean, I hadn't even considered that one, but, uh, it, you know, when I hear you say it out loud, it makes sense.
1: Shocking, Really right? going out on a limb there with our first one. I know. Yeah. Okay, so so let's move on past that one. So. At first, so I want to do two and three at the same time uh, because at first what I have for number three, I had second, but I kind of did a last-minute shift uh, before we went on air here because I didn't want to overlook something that I think is still pretty obvious and still pretty important. But I think the number two thing that has to happen, and this is even more important, I think, than, than shooters emerging, which we'll talk about next, but I think the defensive improvement that we saw this season has to continue into next season, even while working in a bunch of freshmen. Meaning that 65th, which is what Indiana finished in adjusted defensive efficiency this year, I think that needs to be the floor for our team next year. And obviously, that it gets improved upon um, by the end of the season. But I think more than anything else, that has to stay because that's what Indiana kind of hung their hats on this year. And we know that the offense let them down. But now, you know, if you kind of seesaw, and now the shooting gets better and the, the point guard play is better and all that, but the defense suffers you know, it's going to be that whack-a-mole thing again. So I think it's really important that the defensive gains we saw this year stick, and now you can start building on top of those. And I think it's important enough that it's uh, it's the next most important thing. I can't think of anything that's more important. Um, Andy, I'll give you first crack at this uh, if you agree or disagree.
0: I, I do, and I think it's an interesting one because, you know, what what everybody talked about coming into it was, you know, this is going to take some time to kind of build up and pass this down and really install the pack line defense. And so you started to see that at the, by the end of the season uh, really be more successful. And now all of a sudden you're losing a bunch of guys who were key parts of, of being able to get that to work. And um, you know, and and Rob Johnson and Freddie McSwain played a ton of minutes and and Newkirk played a lot of minutes. So, you know, this is kind of the, uh, maybe not the ultimate test, but certainly a test of can the guys that are going to be back from the roster who learned it and got so much better defensively over the course of the season, can they, instill that to the other guys where that ramp-up time to be able to be effective in playing that defense isn't as great as it was this year.
1: Ryan, what do you, and obviously a big part of that, Ryan, will be a guy you talked about last segment, Devontae Green, doing his part to replace what Robert Johnson, you know, brought on the defensive end that Indiana's going to have to replace in terms of a backcourt defender.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I expect the defense to stay better. I, I don't think this is, I mean, I agree that it's something that must happen, but it's not my, it's not at the top of my can list of concerns. I think that this, that's something that'll continue to get better because that's what Archie Miller hangs his hat on. I mean, that is his thing. And the fact that he was able to turn this unit from a fairly bad defensive unit into a, you know, at times, very good defensive unit this season. Of course, some of the games at the end of the season sort of, you know, lowered that uh, adjusted deficiency rating. Uh, But I think that he was able to turn them into a pretty decent defensive unit. I, I think that's, a big deal moving forward what i will say is that because we use the pack line i don't think it's going to be as important to have a single stopper like a rob johnson in the future i think it's going to be because there's so much help that you as long as everybody is good you won't have to have that one elite defender making you know, you know, having to shut down the opponent's best player. I think that you'll be able to use multiple guys and multiple looks um, to to stop dribble penetration and and force teams to shoot. So I think that um, yeah, it is incumbent on the team to find somebody who can you know, work one-on-one against the top player, but I don't think it's as important as it would have been coming into this season. I think that the, the, the way they're going to play team defense will certainly help with that.
1: It's a good point. It's a good point. So the number three thing that I think has to happen, pretty sure that you, all, you guys are all going to agree with this, is that two reliable outside shooters have to emerge. And I say this besides Juwan Morgan. So, you know, if his three-point shooting improves and he becomes a more reliable guy out there, I think that's great. But I think two guys beyond him Have to emerge. Clearly, the best option here is that Romeo Langford is one of those guys, and then maybe, you know, Devontae Green or Zach McRoberts is one of the other ones, because now you have kind of an elite talent that is also a very good outside shooter, along with a guy with experience that is one of your best outside shooters. But, you know, another option is that it could be a grad transfer that isn't even on the roster right now. Or, you know, you have some other candidates, like a Demise Anderson who's been a good three-point shooter, but now you're asking a lot of a freshman, you know, can, is Al Durham capable of being that kind of shooter? I don't know. Uh, you know, Rob Finnessy is a guy who shot 35% in high school. You know, so uh, how will he transition? But whatever it is, whatever the combination is, Ryan, I think Indiana has got to find two guys they can count on to make outside shots because we saw this season how much it hurt when, when Indiana did not have that.
3: I think two is, is being light. I think you got to find several guys that can knock down outside shots and shoot at 35% or better. Um, you know, you've got to have a couple guys who shoot 40. I mean, in, in this day and age, in, in college basketball and the way pro basketball has gone, the outside shot is such a game-changing weapon. You've got to have guys who can hit it consistently. I realize this offense is going to be focused on the post. It's going to be focused on winning in the paint. But at the same time, you've got to be able to kick it out and spread defenses out to open those driving lanes. And and they did not have that this year. A guy like Zach McRoberts is, as you mentioned, a guy who – you know, he's not going to be a driver. He's got to be able to stand out there and knock down shots, or he's not giving you anything on offense. I realize he adds a lot to the game, but you know what? Hustle plays are great, but you need to be able to add something to the to the list. Uh, Demise, we've talked about. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have as a freshman. Maybe as a second unit guy, he can step in and hit some shots. Uh, I think he needs to iron some things out with his shot, though it is going in in high school. I think he does need to iron some things out. Um, a guy like Rob Finnessy, I don't know if he's going to step on campus and be a great champion shooter. I think eventually he will be, but I, I don't think that's the kind of thing where you can expect that out of him next year. But guys like Devontae Green, guys like Zach McRoberts, who are already on the team, Jawan Morgan has a great release. He just has to be able to make them. A guy like Race Thompson can even step out on the perimeter and, and, and hit some shots. Um, you know, Jerome Hunter coming in has to be able to hit some shots. I mean, there there's a list of guys that have the ability to hit shots. They just need to
0: refine their their, you know, a fine, refine the way they do it. Andy. Well, and I, and I think when you tie this back to the first point about, you know, solid point guard play, you know, what, where I you struggled a lot of times this year was really to have somebody that could get in the lane and kick it out to shooters. And so I think that also impacted the three point shooting. So if you, if you, if you can check off number one on your list, um, you're going to create opportunities for guys to be able to knock down shots and somebody has to step up and do that. So, uh, I think, you know any of the guys you mentioned are there. Um, as I've mentioned before, you know turning McRoberts into senior Dane Fife, you know potentially minus biting people, I, I think would be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe with that. I mean, who's to say? <laughs> Who are we to judge? But, um, but I think that would be. I mean, if he could turn into that and really be a three and D guy, I think that could be really important.
1: Yep, you're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. So number four is easy, but just because it's obvious, I don't want to overlook it, but I think Juwan Morgan has to return, which I think we all think he will, and he has to stay healthy for the majority of the season, because he is the senior leader, uh, you know, on a team with a lot of young guys, he's going to be the anchor, he's clearly the best player, he's a guy that you can rely on on both ends, I think it pretty much goes without saying, he's got to be here and be healthy for this team to be good enough to make the NCAA tournament, and I think if he's not, it's going to be really, really hard, and so many other things are going to have to go right. Uh, but I think Andy, you got to have Juwan here and healthy.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was. You know, he, while we can all say that he seemed to, you know, wear down a little bit as the season went on, and 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 reasonably so, yeah. Um, you know, no no one is begrudging him. I mean, he had the team on his back for a, a long time, um. So I think that's good for him to really, you know, kind of have that, you know, a full season of of health under his belt. I think that's big for, um, big for him. It gives him something to build on. And and yeah, the reality is that while there are some interesting offensive pieces coming in, um, as we know it right now. Um, it's still, you know, there's still for whatever people thought of the guys who left, there's some offensive production, particularly from Robert Johnson to be, uh, to be replaced by those guys. And so I think you, uh, you know, you don't want to put Juwan in a position where he has to do as much as he did this year, um, and that obviously requires you know one him to to stay healthy and make others around him better, um, but you need other guys to step up as well and kind of ease some of that burden off of him, which I think helps him be able to you know stay healthy and get a little bit more rest uh, over the course of the season. So you know those a lot of these all tie together pretty uh, pretty neatly.
1: Yeah, and, and the reason I didn't have Juwan higher is you know we had him this year, but because we didn't have the point guard play, because we didn't have the shooting, we didn't make the NCAA tournament. So I mean I think those things are maybe even more important and this is a puzzle that kind of has to fit together and Ryan for the next piece of the puzzle I want you to talk about this well, one
3: let me let me just say something about Juwan real quick uh before we move on it's it, the thing that I uh I think is really important for Juwan is having a fully healthy off season too it feels like he's Negative been recovering point. from an injury every off season and, and and it's the off season is a chance to get better as an individual and so you know being healthy this off season is going to be huge for him you know and, and not be re- being recovering from some kind of injury, or or you know, obviously he deserves some time off because if you do, if you if you begrudge him getting tired at the end of the year, you try to carry twelve guys and the expectations of an entire fan base on your back for six weeks and see how that goes.
1: Yeah. All right. So number five, Ryan is. I think Justin Smith is a huge piece for next year. And I think he's got to increase his minutes to about 25 to 28 per game because he still played – even though he played more at the end of the season, he still played you know far less than half the minutes overall for the season. And while doing so, while playing more minutes, I think he's got to become a more solid defender. He's got to be a better defensive rebounder. He rebounded 14%. Uh, he had a defensive rebounding percentage of 14% last year. I think that's got to go up to help compensate for the loss of guys like Freddie McSwain and Robert Johnson. And I think he's at least got to maintain his offensive efficiency, uh, which was an offensive rating of 104.8, which is really solid for a freshman uh, on 22% of possessions, which is a good usage rate. But it's not always easy for a guy to maintain that playing more minutes and maybe if the usage rate goes up. So I think he's got to take a step up in minutes and efficiency uh, next year because a lot more is going to be asked of him, and he has to be able to come through more consistently consistently than he did this year, which was more just in flashes. And a lot of times that's what freshmen do. But as a sophomore, he's going to have much more responsibility.
3: Yeah, and I think he will. And I think he'll he'll continue to get better. He's a guy I think we we all really like uh, and, and like his potential. There's two things I think he needs to really work on in the offseason. One, every dunk does not have to be a poster. You know, and, and every, you know, sometimes you just got to finish. And, and I think that sometimes he got caught up in trying to get the crowd on his side with a big dunk and, and had some misses on, on easy things that maybe if you just turn it into a layup, it's, it's a lot easier to to get something in. Um, but I would also say that it, he needs to work on his jump shot and, and he's got a really nice setup to his jump shot. He's got, he gets really good rotation on his, on his jumper. Um, he, the release is fine, but he needs to get more consistent with it because that makes him so much more of a weapon. So along with that, Ball handling, of course, uh, you know, so he can maybe step out on the floor, use that shot as a weapon, and then use his ball handling with guys close out hard and get to the rim and and, and score that way.
1: Andy, anything that you want to add on Justin?
0: No, I, I think you guys, I think you guys hit all the key points. I, I, finishing around the rim is a big one um, yep. for him, and, and I think if he can do that, I think that accomplishes a lot of those things. And I think playing better defensively, more consistently, is going to earn him the minutes. Uh, we've seen that that is the key. To getting yourself on the floor so if he can improve there and he did show a lot of improvement in that over the course of the season i think if he can continue to build on that the minutes take care of themselves
1: yep all right we have done five things that have to happen for indiana to make the ncaa tournament next season we will do five more coming up starting with the big men that's next stick with us
2: Cascade Platinum every
0: night, saves you water every night. Come meet me at the dishwasher, baby. See, hand-washing dishes at your sink uses about four gallons of water every two minutes. Naughty, naughty sink. But with Cascade Platinum in your dishwasher, four gallons of water gets the whole job done. So the flow of that H2O and
2: change
0: your routine. Do it every night with Cascade Platinum. A surprising way to save water. Mexico is more than a country. It's a feeling. Wherever you feel Mexican, there is Mexico.
3: Let's celebrate it. Tecate. Mexico is in us.
1: you are listening to the assembly call, go to assemblycall.com slash join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter. Because if you want more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you really do need to be on our newsletter list. All throughout the offseason, you will get our weekly six banner Sunday news roundups, and then once the season starts again, you will get our postgame analysis emails that only go out to our email subscribers. It's all free. It'll make you a smarter IU basketball fan, and the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I'm Jared Morris here with my co-hosts, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down the 10 things that absolutely must happen for IU to make the NCAA tournament. A quick recap, if you are just joining us, uh, number one is they've got to get consistent competency out of the lead guard position. Number two is that the defensive improvement must continue into next season. Uh, Number three is two reliable outside shooters have to emerge, if not more. Uh, Number four, Jawan Morgan has to return and stay healthy for the majority of the season. And number five is Justin Smith has to increase his minutes and his efficiency as more is counted on him. So, guys, let's roll through the final five, and we'll start with the big men. And this was kind of a hard one for me to figure out exactly how to phrase it. But what I settled on is this. I think at least one reliable big man option has to emerge who can, at a minimum, at least remove pressure from Jawan by defending the post competently and rebounding. Now, ideally, it'll be two, but I think you've got to have at least one from Duran who's coming off an injury, Race Thompson, who's a redshirt, but we haven't seen play, Jake Forrester, who's a true freshman, and Clifton Moore, who, you know, it seems unlikely based on the short stints that we saw him play, especially the part about defending the interior and rebounding. Um, but you've got to be able to replace what Freddie provided and ideally add a little bit more offense uh, than what he did. But again, to help take some pressure off of Juwan and to make that interior defense better. Uh, Ryan, am I, am I undershooting it saying that just one has to emerge? Does it need to be even more than that?
3: I mean, you want more because of foul trouble in the big 10. I think you've got to have a couple guys, um,
1: but 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 it, and, and, it, at a if it's one at a minimum, would the rest of the roster be good enough to support an NCAA tournament team? I guess that's oh, what sure. I sure
3: yeah on. yeah yeah sure sure. <clears throat> um, but you know you're right. I think that Duron Davis, Ray Thompson, uh, both should be expected to play next year and play significant minutes and do some things in the post. Um, you know, assuming Duron is healthy. Obviously, we don't know what that situation is. We don't know how long it's going to take uh, for him to come back. But then I think you need to get either, as you say, Clifton Moore or Jake Forrester need to provide you something in the post. Uh, And and look, I think that one thing that's getting forgotten is you're also losing Colin Hartman, who can play down there. Um, And now Colin, obviously, up and down season, did not have – Uh, You did not remain healthy, but you went into the year thinking that, hey, if things just go terribly in the post one game, you can throw Colin Hartman down there. You can throw Zach McRoberts down there and and hope that they can at least, you know, hold their own along with Freddie McSwain. Um, That didn't happen often, but you need to have those options available to you and you need those practice bodies as well. You need guys in practice to help you get better. So. I think all of those guys need to at least contribute uh to some degree because that's that's an area of the roster that is not very deep yep. or you know as we stand right now before those guys are on campus
1: uh Andy, you want to add anything to this one
0: i, I think Forrester is the one who's really interesting you know Duran obviously we have injury questions we don't know if If you think about a guy who if you think about what McSwain really brought to the table, I think Forrester on some level seems like the guy most most similar to that based on you know scouting reports and things like that that i've read and maybe race thompson could be could be that way but um i think forrester becomes the interesting one just because he's got a little bit more size uh, in terms of height and um you know could be kind of a, a rim protector weak side rebounder things like that that could be uh, really important
1: if you told me he ends up playing the most minutes of all the freshmen i would not be shocked
0: I mean, I think it's, I, I would be. <laughs>
1: I just think he, he fills such a need and, you know, what, what he does, bring activity, bring energy. I mean, he's got a lot of development, but it's going to be interesting to see if he can find a role. But I'm, I'm optimistic about what he can bring, even as a freshman. Um, OK, moving on to number seven. This one doesn't even really require much discussion. The free throw shooting, which was 65.7 percent this year, abysmal, has to at least improve to the national average. And this season, that was 71.4 percent. I assume there will be no objections there, but that is just an absolute has to happen. There's no question about it. This roster won't be good enough to carry that poor of a free throw shooting a uh, 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 team to the NCAA tournament.
3: No roster would be good enough to carry that poor of a free throw shooting team to uh, anything above, you know, maybe a first round in the NCAA tournament. You just have to be able to make your free throws. Fouling is such a huge part of the game now. Uh, you need to be able to make your free throws, and it's the easiest thing in the world to train on. Uh, All you do, stand in a gym and work on it. That's it, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's inexcusable to be below the national average.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Number eight, Indiana's guards must collectively replace Robert Johnson's defensive rebounding. I think what we're losing with Robert offensively is easy to identify, but I think what we're losing from a defensive rebounding perspective off of a team that wasn't very good at rebounding, and now you're taking away Freddie McSwain and you're taking away Robert Johnson – we have to have a guard step up. You know, and and Robert Johnson last year had a defensive rebounding percentage of 14.7%, which was outstanding. And he really turned it on after that Wisconsin game when Archie Miller challenged his guys. Well, Devontae Green was 8.6%. Al Durham was 10.9%. You know, you have a guy like Robert Finnessy who's, you know, going to be a little bit undersized, but he did average six in high school, so he's at least shown he can do it. And maybe Zach McRoberts can be a part of this too if he can improve on his rate of 11.5%. But I think rebounding is going to be an issue for this team. Uh, especially, you know, we'll have to see what happens with the big men. So I think the guards have to rebound, and Robert Johnson, Andy, is going to be the guy whose production they really have to replace.
0: Yeah, and I would I would piggyback on that a little bit and just say his his defense in general. Um, you know, he was a guy who was routinely tasked with uh, guarding the opposing team's best perimeter players. So who steps into that role in addition to the defensive rebounding piece? Um, I, I would say of the guys you mentioned. It feels like Al is the the most uh, likely candidate, at least on the defensive side of things. Um, you know, I think there's some, you know, shooting, uh, you know, things that he needs to work out and, and improve upon, which I think, you know, seems like a guy who's going to really get in the gym and, and work on that over the summer. Um, but I think he's a guy who can be the, the guy defensively. And I think, um, would be a good rebounder. And and ultimately while fantasy might be able to do that, I, I think there's a certain part of you that would want, you know, an off guard to be the one grabbing the actual rebound and then kicking it out to your point guard. I don't know that you want your point guard grabbing it off the board and then, you know, trying to turn and, and go up the floor. Maybe he does. Um, but I thought that was kind of, you know, Robert really focusing on that was a time that he took on less of a you know, ball handling role and things like that. So I think it'll be yeah. interesting to see how that works. But my money, I guess at this point would be on Al um, just based on what we've seen from him so far.
1: You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down the 10 things that absolutely must happen for Indiana to get to the NCAA tournament next year. Number nine, and Ryan, you kind of touched on this when we talked about the shooting, but I think that Jerome <coughs> Hunter and or Demise Anderson have to be ready as freshmen to provide some scoring punch off the bench. And I think that can either be, you know, one guy consistently Who's ready to do that or both kind of on a rotating basis, which I think is probably more likely from freshmen. But I think this is still going to be an offensively challenged team. Uh, You know, now if Romeo comes, that changes a little bit. But even with Romeo, either way, these two guys who are really talented, really skilled, you know, they're going to have a big adjustment defensively, and I think with ball handling, with some of those things, but they can score points, and they can score points in ways Indiana needs. Demizi can shoot, Jerome Anderson can create a shot, and is a, a tough mismatch with his size. You mean Jerome Hunter. Jerome Hunter, Hunter, sorry, yes, Jerome Hunter. Uh, so I, I think those guys have to be able to give Indiana some scoring punch, even as freshmen, that can be relied upon.
3: Yeah no I'm expecting Jerome Hunter to give him scoring punch. I I really love the way he plays and uh, I think he's going to be uh, an instant offense guy off the bench. Demezi I'm less sold on. I mean I think eventually he'll be fine, but I don't know about as a freshman how much he's going to contribute. Uh, I just need to see more from him. Like if he if he rounds out his game this summer and and gets a little bigger once he's on campus, I think he has every potential of being a a scoring threat but right now I just don't think he's ready for the college game I think there's too much looseness in his game and he needs to really tighten a lot of things up that said I mean you can't argue with the results in high school he's played very well Uh, but at the at the same time I do think that there's some things he needs to sort of tighten up in his game but Jerome Hunter I love his game right now Um, and I'm really excited to see him at Indiana and IU Jersey agreed
1: All right, Andy, let me throw this one to you, number 10. And this is actually – it has nothing to do with the team, but it has to do with the schedule. Because you start looking at Indiana's non-conference schedule next year. You know, Butler, they're typically good, but they're losing Keelan Martin, who's such an important part of their team. You know, Louisville, who the heck knows what's going to be going on with Louisville next year. Uh, And then you've got Indiana's ACC Big Ten Challenge opponent. I think those three, or at least one of those three – has to be good enough to count as a solid win opportunity, and then Indiana needs to get that win to anchor its non-conference resume. Uh, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see who they get in the ACC Big Ten Challenge because they were six this year, uh, and sometimes they match them up. You know, kind of in order of rankings, but a lot of times Indiana ends up getting kind of bumped up because it's a marquee name. You know, to go with a Duke or in North Carolina.
3: I wouldn't be surprised if we hosted Virginia.
1: I I could see that too. So, uh, but most importantly is they've got to have some opportunities to get big wins in the non-conference, and then they've got to get them. You know, this year, obviously, beating Notre Dame was big, but it didn't end up carrying the heft later in the season that it looked like it might because of the season Notre Dame had. And sometimes it's not always easy to predict these things, but you start looking at just the non-conference games that we know about right now, and they are not—they don't look as good as they might have at one time. And there's a long time for the schedule to, to get worked out and all of that, but just based on what we know right now, Indiana needs to have some opportunities for solid wins there, and then they're going to have to get them.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It, it, the, there's been a lot of debate around strength of schedule and you know gaming the RPI, all those kinds of things. I think Syracuse might be as good an example as any as a team that that nobody really going into the the final. I shouldn't say nobody; very few people had had getting in. And one of the things they had going for them was a 14th ranked strength of schedule in the non conference. But if you really look down the list of who they played there wasn't anything great on there. I mean, they had wins over Buffalo who turned out to be really good and, and won the Mac regular season and tournament. They beat Toledo, who was the second best team in the Mac. They beat Maryland in the big 10 AC. I think that was their big 10 ACC opponent um, who didn't turn out to be as good as people thought, but it was still a top 75 RPI team. And then if you look at the bottom end, they only played two teams outside of the top 200 um, out of league. So Pitt was in there, um, you know, but they played, Texas Southern they played Cornell those are the only two teams and neither of those is outside of the top 250 so I think you can get by a little bit without a marquee marquee win but you you gotta match that up with really not scheduling the worst of the worst which you know we're all too familiar with with uh, you know some of the schedules we've seen in the past I think this the the overall makeup of the schedule is really important and I think this year was a little bit hard to put together because you didn't really know what you had Um, and I think tried to, you know, rearrange some things. I would look for that to improve and maybe not get to the level of what I just described where you've only got, you know, two teams outside of the top 200. But if you move more in that direction, you can see by just looking, you know, a few days ago, how that was a key factor in Syracuse getting in, who didn't really have a ton of great ACC wins, but they could, you know, hang their hat on that strength of schedule and and a few decent wins outside of the conference.
1: All right, so those are our 10 things that have to happen for Indiana to make the NCAA tournament next year. <clears throat> Let us know what you think. Send us a tweet at assembly call. Let us know what we missed, what we didn't have high enough or had too high, anything. We would love to get your thoughts on it. Uh, and we're going to have a few minutes for our final segment. So, Andy, Ryan, I would love to get some thoughts from you on maybe what I left out or any other quibbles that you have. Uh, and if you don't have any of those, we have some questions that we can do. So, all of that is coming up on the assembly call. Uh, Stick with us, and we will close up another week talking about IU basketball. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips, wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball here on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, So, guys, we spent this episode talking about the 10 things that absolutely must happen for Indiana to make the NCAA tournament next year because I can't take another one of these marches without Indiana in the tournament. I hate looking at those brackets and not seeing Indiana in there. Um, eh, Andy, anything that you would add, anything that you think maybe that we missed? Uh, I know you didn't get a chance to hear the first segment, um, but anything that, that, that you would add to the list of what we already have?
0: Uh, the only thing that I would bring up is just overall guard depth, um, developing. And, and obviously we don't know exactly what the roster looks like, but I think that that eventually became an issue last year after the Curtis Jones transfer, you really had, you know, four guys that you could rotate in back there between, you know, Rob, Josh, Devonte, and, and Al. And I think at times with the roster, there weren't a lot of wing players. It was just kind of a weird, it, it set up some weird rotations and, um, and, and you didn't have a lot of places to turn if things weren't going well. And so now you lose Rob and Josh and, uh, you know, you bring in Finnessy, who I think is going to play a role right out of the gate. But you're, you're putting a lot of pressure at that point on either freshman uh, or Al and Devontae to really take a big step. And, and I think while they're certainly capable of that, um, to have you know, a good feeling of the depth behind those guys is going to be really important in my eyes.
1: Well, and this kind of leads us into the first question that I want to hit here. And this question comes to us from Jeff. Uh, And it is, if a certain high school basketball player with a Shakespearean name were to commit, IU would have one scholarship left for the 2018-19 season. In a perfect world, how would you like Archie to use that scholarship? And I think the position, you know, the two positions would obviously be guard depth or, you know, an experienced big man that could step in. Let me tell you what you don't want to do with that scholarship is give it out to uh, an incoming freshman, a four-year player, who you aren't absolutely certain – is a Big Ten level player because Indiana has done that too often and we've gotten stuck and it hasn't been good. So I think ideally what you do with that scholarship is you use it on a grad transfer um, who's only going to be there for one year because that 2019 class, Indiana's in a good position with a lot of guys. And so you want to have some scholarships open. And so if Romeo goes pro as you would expect and then Juan Morgan leaves because he'll be a senior, now you'd have three scholarships open. But you don't want to lock it up with a guy – who, you know, isn't a really, really high-level player because now maybe you can't get, you know, the five-star guy that you want or another four-star guy that you want because you reached on a guy just to fill a scholarship. And Archie has been explicit that he's not just going to fill scholarships to fill them. So, Ryan, how would you – and we've hit this question before, but has your opinion changed at all on what Indiana should do with an open scholarship?
3: Well, I think – okay, so if Romeo commits, I think you may not want to go the grad transfer route just because you may – then be cutting down minutes for guys who need to get minutes, you know, cause obviously you'd be going to try and get a guard and you know, I mean, look, it depends if it's a guy, if it's, it's somebody phenomenal who can really shoot it and provide leadership, then all that. I mean, obviously you consider that person at any time. Um, I think the best route to go rather than forcing a scholarship. And like Archie said, filling a scholarship to fill a scholarship is giving it to Zach McRoberts, who I think has more than earned it. Uh, obviously Zach uh, comes from uh, a, a very, prominent Indiana family I'll say Uh, so I don't know if he needs the scholarship financially but it's also a I mean he may I don't know but I'm you know it's one of those things where I think that out of the respect for the way the guy is played if there's one open scholarship I think that's who you give it to now look again that barring some crazy grad transfer who can knock down shots uh, and will clearly make the team better uh, and isn't sort of a well, he'll fill out some depth. I mean, you know, this would need to be a guy who was a legitimate starter the second he stepped on campus. If not, give it to Zach Roberts. He's earned it.
1: Yeah. And he'll be graduating, too. So exactly. Same it's thing. It's a one year. It's essentially I, like
3: to a graduate.
1: I agree with that. If the scholarship's there and you don't have I mean, I would love to see him get one. I think he's earned it. Um all right, let's hit this, set, this last one really quick, Andy, and I'll go to you. And this is from Bonespur the Clown, which is just a great Twitter name. <laughs> so that's, we had to ask the question just because that's, that's his name, which is great. Um, but he says, during the ups of the up-and-down season when IU was rolling, it seemed to me like Archie Miller was less tolerant of turnovers, bad shot selection, and lackadaisical play, pulling players more quickly. And he says it would be silly to suggest that he lost the team, and he's not suggesting that but do you think it was just kind of a lack of manpower, a lack of options that at times it felt like maybe he was a little more tolerant of turnovers or lackadaisical play? Was it just because he was kind of exasperated or just didn't have many options to turn to last season?
0: Uh, I mean, well, it's kind of interesting. I think mean, he says less tolerant and pulled players more quickly. Um, I think the hard part was, you know, some of the depth things that we talked about, a lot of those things were guard driven. So turnovers and some of the shot selection were driven by IU's guards. And I think at times, you know, it ties back well into that depth. It's like, well, where else are you going to go? At, at some point, you know, we got on after a handful of games and we're like, well, you know, certain people didn't play well, but it's like, I don't know what you would have done differently because who would you put in? Um, so I think it was a little bit of that. I, you know, I'm sure there was some frustration on his part, but, um, you know, I think it was just the nature of the roster to some extent.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording, or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Go Hoosiers.
2: thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the assembly call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.comslash slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. we appreciate it. Thank you.
1: If your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring, even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub
0: rocket pro insight is the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before get full visibility into a client's loan status adjust their approval letter amount help them clear roadblocks and manage it all in one place sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time
3: offer cost information and conditions equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states ConsumerAccess.org number 3030
2: look around